Put God first. Your presence in their lives gives them validation. Our children don't need us to be superheroes. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Men, stand up, be fathers. Hey guys, it's Mark, your host and founder of The Inspired Legacy. As always, this is the show that equips and inspires men just like you to unleash your inner lion and reveal your true purpose as spiritual leaders in your home. And if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know by now that I love stories of redemption. Stories from just regular guys who illustrate the fact that no matter where you come from in life, there's a brighter future waiting for you in Christ. And today I've got a special guest, uh, somebody I actually just kind of stumbled across on Instagram, and we kind of friended each other. He actually, I had forgotten this until the interview, uh, he was the winner of my book giveaway for Ken Harrison's book. And so that's kind of how we initially got hooked up. But John has got an amazing story of redemption. He came from a broken home. He was abused, neglected as a child, uh, just headed down the wrong path, got in with the wrong crowd, did the wrong things, but eventually, thank God, found Christ and turned his life around to the point where he has now been featured, his his testimony is featured in a book titled Jesus Changed Our Lives, Stories from the Heart to Enrich Your Faith. And he is featured with a handful of other people in this book. And each story, each testament, not that long, pretty easy reads, but I'm going to link to this book in the show notes I uh, encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, these stories are, well, just like the subtitle says, they're stories to enrich your faith. And so uh, that's exactly what it does. It's exactly what it did for me. And it's it was interesting to hear where John came from. So you have a context to understand how much his life has changed. And so he's featured in that book. And now he's also an ambassador in Florida for The First Hour for Men, which is a 30-day study guide. Uh, written by Mark Koch, but this study guide is actually endorsed by Promise Keepers. So John is all in on Promise Keepers. He is on fire for God. He's passionate. You're going to see that. You're going to hear that in his voice. And I'm really excited to introduce you guys to my next guest, John Nicholas. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So right off the bat, I mentioned this in the intro, but you know, John is somebody that I connected with on Instagram. So a lot of you guys out there may not know who John is, but um, he is just a man full of the Holy Spirit and uh, quite capable on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. I'm just a guy that's redeemed by the Lord. You know, I've been through a lot of things. We'll get into that. Um, But you know, I don't necessarily go by any any prominent title besides uh, a child of God, man. Just like all of us, yeah. That's right. So um, first, I like to qualify, you know, my guests. If you're listening to this show for any length of time, you know that I like to start with a little dad bio. So first, you know, just tell us about John, the husband and father, and what do you got going on at home, man? Oh, man, husband. You know, I've, I've been a husband for going on three years now. I got a beautiful wife um, who I married uh, back in 2018. We got together in 2017. She's just the leading woman of my life, my rib. I'm a father of three, love my children very deeply. Um, uh, but I, you know, I got some trouble being a dad as well because two of my children are with 
um, their mother, and then my other is a prodigal. So it's a tough, it's a tough deal being yeah. a, being a husband and being a father um, with that type of equation. Yeah, and we'll get into all that because you've got a really interesting story around uh, when it comes to your kids. But yeah, you got a you got a lot going on, and still, you know, not necessarily a newlywed, but you guys are still kind of feeling it out. I would imagine. Uh, honestly, the only thing that we're feeling out is, um, man, is, is is ironing out the 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 the, the, the sinful attacks on the flesh. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I met this woman, and and when you when we get into that part of the testimony, uh, man, it's God ordained her for me. She she literally is the rib that was removed, uh, you know, out of mine, you know, because to, to, we're 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 two becomes one, just like Scripture says. So, uh, you know, in terms of the years that we've been together, society would say we're feeling it out. But honestly, I, I know her more and more each and every day. Yeah, I mean, I've I can attest to that just from what little I know of you two and we'll just dive into it. Cause I know we've got a ton of stuff to cover today. Um, mm-hmm. I read your testimony. Well, first let me okay. back up. So like I mentioned, we can, we connected on Instagram and, um, yeah. uh, kind of, it's just one of your, you just got one of those uh, personalities where you just kind of feel like you know each other, even though you've never met. And that's kind of how I feel yeah. about you. And, yeah. uh, you, you felt led to share with me that you, uh, you've been featured in a book and the name of the book is called Jesus Changed Our Lives, Stories from the Heart to Enrich Your Faith. And you were yeah. so kind enough to share a copy of this with me. And in it, it yeah. you share your testimony. Your wife is also in this book, and she shares her testimony. And so, yeah, reading about you two and the, the, um, your history and the paths you took and what led you to Christ, I can wholeheartedly agree that you guys were uh, you're cut from the same cloth and you were destined to be together. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. Absolutely. So, tell us about this book because it's really interesting, and I had not heard about about it until you brought it up and uh, got it in front of me. But tell us about this book. What's the story behind this thing? Well, you know, Patrick Basenge. Patrick Basenge is, is a is a, a brother I met out of through the when I went through my my motivational phase. I was going through my motivational phase where I, I was trained by Les Brown, who's a world renowned motivational uh, speaker. And I was going through the training of, you know, being a certified motivational speaker. I got certified. So I met Patrick through the Les Brown Institute. You know, it was a number of people from all over the world. You know, everyone's positive and motivating and whatnot. And I ended up meeting Patrick through Facebook because we were a part of, of the Institute together. And he, and he ended up reaching out to me, you know, as he saw me profess my faith throughout uh, the Internet and whatnot. He, he uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I have this book that I'm putting together and um and I want to know if you want to be a part of it. So I was like, you know, absolutely. I felt led to be a part of it. And then um I told him that my wife also with her testimony and then I we brought my wife in on it as well. And then yeah, so I ended up writing uh, you know, seven pages of my testimony and he included in this book of the, you know, Jesus Changed Our Lives, which is a compilation of uh stories from all over the world of how people were impacted by Christ in their life. Yeah, like eighteen different people featured in this book. And I will admit I have not read through all of them, but I did, like I said, read through yours and your wife's. And um, yeah. oh, praise God! Not neither did neither did I. I mean, there's a bunch of. Them. I yeah, mean, I think I read through two others, and that about it. Yeah, but I mean, it's beneficial for everybody to understand where people have come from in their lives, the struggles that they've gone through, and how they've overcome them. And then, in in the cases of these uh, 
stories featured in this book, how they've come to Christ. Right. And I think that's just really important for people to hear because everybody's going through their own problems, right? And a lot of people feel like they're not worthy of Christ. Like they 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 don't deserve salvation. And and reading through these stories, in particular yours and your wife's, you can just you, you came from the lowest of lows. Can we just be honest? Yeah. I mean it was not not great circumstances. No. And you guys overcame. You overcame. That's right. That's right. Well if you if we know that this is who Christ came for. Christ came for the sick. He came for the broken. He came for the ones that, that the world counted out, that dashed to the side. You know, he, he, he comes for the ones that Satan thinks he has them in, in their grasp. And then just when Satan thinks that, man, yeah, I'm about to take this guy out, Jesus swoops in and says, no, my son, I have you, and I want to redeem you and make you my own. And that, that's what he did for me and my wife. So let's unpack this a little bit. Without giving away the book, um, tell us a little bit about your story in particular. Well, I mean, my story is, you know, not without going into full detail. I mean, I, I came from a bit of a broken home, uh, no father, um, abusive mother. So, you know, uh, my mother tried to uh, take my life at the age of seven, um, uh, whether it was uh, her intention or whether it was out of anger and it was uh, was just a, a reflex or whatnot. She, uh, she tried to take my life at seven, clubbed me across my head. Uh, and blood poured out and I passed out. And when I regained consciousness, um, I knew that my life was going to change, you know? Uh, so I, I was an abused young man growing up with a lot of anger, a lot of, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger issues and whatnot. And, you know, she ended up kicking me out at a young age. And, and I, so I had a rough time figuring out love and, and, and what that was and people loving me. So I ended up going into a, a religious cult group. I was in a cult group called the Hebrew Israelites for the better of five years. Mm -hmm. And that, that religious cult group believed that uh, Jesus was coming back in 1999. So, you know, they kind of try to do the math on that. They calculated <laughs> carrots one minus two. And, you know, they end up coming up with 1999. And, you know, obviously no man knows the, the day or the hour. Well, they felt like they knew the hour and the day. Um, so it was all wrong. So once Christ didn't come back, 1999, obviously, I end up going into the world, end up losing my losing myself some more for the better of sixteen years, just doing whatever I wanted to do, marrying, sleeping around, girls, you name it, drugs, did whatever I wanted to do, you know, I didn't know who I was. Until he called me. So he called me at, at thirty two years old and I got baptized at thirty three. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Let's yeah. go back to let's go back to age seven. I cannot imagine looking up at your mom who, you know, you want to think of your mom as somebody who's gonna love and protect you. Right. Did you get any of that from your mom ever, that feeling of love and protection, or was it just not there, period? No, 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 no. I've never, I never felt, uh, I had one memory where I felt loved by my mom. We were sitting on the couch, and we were cuddling on the couch. I think I was, like, just kind of embracing, uh, she was embracing me, and then we were watching a film, but uh, it was, like, a scary movie. I think it was, like, It, you know, like, the movie It, and, that, and that's, just not, that's not a good circumstance for a kid to know anything about love at that point. But, uh, no, I've never felt love and compassion, um, growing up from my mother, not until I, I, I accepted Christ. So looking back on that period, I mean, it seems like a silly question, but can you quantify how that impacted your life as a man? That, uh, that, of not feeling the love. Yeah. What deep wounds are you still struggling with today? None. None. So, no, no, no. He, I've been washed cleansed clean of that completely but to um go back to that young man who dealt with that growing up if we could put that into perspective i can quantify that yeah 
to where it, it put me in a dark place. So it put me in a, in, a, in a deep place where I was open to love, but I didn't know how to love. Mm -hmm. So I was open to all kinds of love. So I, I would accept love from uh, maybe the rougher crowd or love from any young lady who, who liked me, yeah. you know, or love from anyone who wanted to take me under their wing, you know, that, that kind of deal. And, but I never knew how to distribute that love, which is very important. I think, I think with parenting, loving on, on children, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or if you would agree, but when you love children, you love them in a place to show them how to love. Absolutely. I think that's one of our roles as parents is to love them, obviously, but then to show them what love looks like so that they know what to look for when they get to be older so they don't look for it in the wrong places. And it sounds like that's... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. So I, I didn't know how to love back. So it put me in a dark place and uh, able to, to really put it in a nutshell. I was just a kid that was a ticking time bomb. You know, you step on my toes or if I didn't like what you said or whatever have you, then we were going toe to toe, you know, uh, fist to fist, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I would just blow up. So you, in, in addition to looking for love in all, all the wrong places, I think I just quoted a song. You did. Um, <laughs> um, you had anger issues as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I had, I had some immense anger issues, but it wasn't just like fly off the handle. Like you never knew where it was coming from kind of deal. You'd know where it's coming from, you know? Um, but I just didn't know how to, uh, direct it at all. So it's kind of like, kind of like a shotgun shell, you know, you shoot shotgun to pellet spray in every direction. Yeah. So that's kind of what it was with, with my anger. And I related to a lot of people in my past that I shouldn't have, like, rappers by the name of uh dmx yep. and I, I would i would listen to i would watch like uh, uh cartoons that involved a lot of aggression you know i was into the x-men i related to wolverine as a character actually when i was in the world got a wolverine tattoo to like pledge my allegiance to wolverine <laughs> and, and i was able to relate to him because this guy was just a guy that kind of wanted to mind his own business but when trouble came his way he would be sure to retaliate yeah Man, John, your story just is, it's one that so many guys can relate to. I think I just, you know, you just observe the world as you go through your day and there's so many, so many guys out there, people, but guys, especially who you can just see it in their body language and on their face. Oh yeah. They've got pain. They've got pain and yeah. they've maybe gone through something similar to what you did Yeah, or maybe not even as bad, but they've, they're harboring those same feelings of anger sure. and confusion and they just want yeah. to be loved that's right yeah yeah they, yeah I, I get it yeah i totally get it and my heart my heart cries out for them you know uh, as we'll get into that part of the of the testimony here uh you know i'm, I'm a part of an organization um you interviewed uh the, the president of it um uh, ken harrison yeah and and I'm, you know I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, i got the opportunity to be a part of this thing and what i learned to find out about men is uh this is why the lord came for you know and he 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 led the men you know how come he had a, a group of 12 men, right? Yep. You know, uh, we, we know that Mary Magdalene was around. She played a big part in that, you know. But he, uh, you know, he had disciples that were predominantly of men and followers were predominantly of men at the time. But he came to heal them because, remember, the man was the first one to kind of, like, not take his proper leadership role. You know, remember Adam? Adam didn't lead Eve properly. Right. The way, the way, he, should, he, the way he should have. So you got a lot of broken guys out there who are just stuck holding on to their aggression because they're, they're in fear of being vulnerable, being transparent. But the man of all men was transparent and was vulnerable. Yeah. And that fear of being vulnerable 
and transparent. I think it just stems back to, you know, issues in the home at an early age. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think everything stems from home from originally, you know what I mean? If you look at Jesus Christ, his home originally and not, not say originally, but all time was the kingdom, right? Was, was where his father's from, where he's from. Right. And everything was pure. Everything was holy. That's why when he came to this earth, he was able to demonstrate that where his home came from. But I think we have we live in a world now where people show you how they grew up. You know, if, if you get someone who grew up in an abusive home, you'll see that as an adult. You'll see that as that angry male who's so macho and, and has his chest sticked out because his dad pounced on him when he was little or a, or a man who struggles with uh, uh, infidelity and, and, and non-commitment because his mother didn't love him when he was little, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll see that as, as, as an adult man. And, you know, we're all in process, man. We're all in process and we all need that opportunity to be undone and then be done properly by the word of God. Mm, amen. But so many guys, like you said, are men and they're still struggling with it, but you were fortunate enough to move past that stage in your life. So talk us through that. So you were, you're consumed with anger. Yeah. You're confused about love. Because dad, your dad wasn't in, around and he wasn't in the picture no. as well. So how did you, what events transpired, you know, for those listening that allowed you to step out of that life and into the life of Christ? Because that's a huge leap. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big gap you're talking there. Yeah. Um, well, what it was, was we'll, we'll go through big jumps in the timeline. My mother kicked me out about 12 years old. She sent me to New York to go live with a, a family member of mine. That's when I got in- introduced to the Hebrew Israelites. They were able to uh, take this angry kid, and they were able to have me kind of, I-, I don't want to use the word like weaponize the-, the discipline, but they were able to allow me to condense the anger to where they formed it into discipline, and that made me a, a bit of a, a weapon, mm. a weapon on how uh, how to administer, a weapon on how to speak the word of God, a weapon on you know, Old Testament, because they were still in that cultish mindset, but um, just really cho- showed me a lot of level of discipline. So I was able to have a lot of love, which was brotherly love, but it was from a more of a of a gang type. Yeah. You know, you're with us. You're with us now. Yeah. You know, it's still love, but it's a different kind of love. I just had a, a couple weeks ago, a guest on by the name of Tim Wright, who talks about rites of passage for boys. And he touched on this exact same thing, that when you grow up without a dad and uh, somebody who's there to sort of guide you through those milestones in life and present you with those quote unquote rites of passage that kind of usher you into, you know, uh, adolescence and young adulthood. Then you look for those replacements in the form of, in oftentimes like gangs or cults. And I would imagine that you'd experience that exact same thing. You didn't have anybody taking you through, guiding you through those stages of life. And so that when you were a young man, you here you find this this gang, or not a gang, this cult, who essentially, I would imagine, filled this father void that you had, right? Yep. And and provided you with some sort of, again, quote unquote, rite of passage yep. that kind of helped you feel like you were becoming a man, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, you you said it. You know, and, and I think that's what we're that's what you look for, right? Let's let's say it for what it is. It's, it's attachment. You know, you want, you want attachment. You want to feel belongs to something. You want to feel like you're a part of something. And every child growing up wants to feel a part of their mom and dad, right? I mean, 
why else are they there? They feel like, hey, you know, I want to be a part of you. So when we get that rejection, when as you get older, you're looking for it through anything, really, of anyone that will pull you in and will show you the sense of belonging. And I didn't have that. So when these men, when I got introduced to these guys, I did feel a place where I belonged. I fell right in. I mean, they were teaching me uh, how to how to march. I was taught how to how to fight, how to strategically fight. You know, I was taught how to read the Word of God. I was taught the Hebrew language. I was taught many different things on how to do that. And I felt like, man, I belong here. I'm actually good at this. You know, until I, I realized that. Wait a second, I was a part of a farce. This thing is a a lie. You know, and then I, then I had to feel attachment somewhere else. So moving further, I end up um, when that when Christ didn't come back. I ended up going straight into the world, doing whatever I wanted to do, man. I was down at South Beach, partying, drinking, doing whatever I wanted to do, hanging out with, uh, I wasn't hanging out with the wrong crowd in the sense of like, you know, they were doing all kinds of crazy crimes, but against the father, yeah, I was hanging on the wrong crowd. Yeah. I was hanging on guys that like to get high, like to get drunk, like to sleep around. And then in the midst of that, I had a child, I had my firstborn, and I didn't know how to love that young girl. I ended up getting arrested a number of times falsely from her. Um, only because I didn't know how to deal properly with situations, how to bail myself out. So I'd often put myself in a bad spot, like, man, how did I get this? Um, and that just went on for a number of years. And I honestly, I, I, and then through that, I got married. Finally, we thought that I was in a place of getting married, but it wasn't like settling down. I got married because I felt like, hey, this is a good situation. Let me hook up with this girl. We can get this, this place together, join finances. And it just sounds like a good financial uh, proposition, yeah. you know, but it, it, it didn't, didn't work out that way. I thought it was, you know, so that lasted seven years, but throughout that seven, I was cheating all throughout it. I, w- I wasn't faithful for not one, six months at a time. I didn't have a clue on what it meant to be committed to, to uh, the my wife at the time. Mm. Um, so uh, with that led to just, you know, me pushing myself deeper into despair but what I didn't realize is I actually was getting closer to the Lord, but I didn't know that. Talk about that a little bit. How are you getting closer to the Lord despite the way you were living? Because I started to cut certain activities off. You know, there's certain things like, okay, so I got introduced to the weed and that went on for a little while. Uh, but there was a time in, in that my marriage at that time that when I said that I was getting closer to the Lord, the Lord broke something off in me. He actually gave me a dream that woke me up at three in the morning concerning my father. And I ended up waking up gasping for, for air, like I couldn't breathe. And I ended up crying and sweating profusely. And, and I remember feeling this feeling of, man, I got I to gotta get this out of me. And I ended up forgiving my father who was never there at that time. It was something that was so scary and so real. And then when I did that, when I forgave my father who wasn't there, because I forgave him in spirit, I never physically met the guy, but I just forgave him. Like I had to release this thing out of me. It's kind of like, you know, you know, you got something in you that needs to pass, whether it be like for the old guys, I guess a gallstone or, (laughs) you know, or you got, you got to get out a good belt or, you know, you got to pass something through your body. I had, I had to pass this feeling out of my body and I ended up giving him away. And, and giving that away, I didn't know I was giving it to God at that time, but I gave it away. And when I did that, he broke something off in me that made me realize I wasn't happy in my marriage. And that's what led me to getting a divorce. Have you, to this day, still not met your dad? No, 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 never, never, never physically met him. Uh-uh. Do you know who? Not my biological. Do you know who he is? I only have a name. I got a name. His name's Jesus Alvarez uh, is the name that I got, but I don't know the validity 
to that. You know, yeah. it was what uh, is what information was passed on to me. You know, but that, those are one of the the doors I would like to close, and the not sense of closure as if I need it in a sense of because uh, I'm completely in closure with Christ because I know who my Lord is. Yeah, but it w- it would be nice to let him know, hey man, what happened. Because I think he needs forgiveness too. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. I was just curious if you felt like you were, you know, strong enough in your faith and in a good place with the in your faith that you could maybe pursue that relation—not a relationship, but just you know, meet him and, like you said, just no, learn no, more. no. You said you said it, Mark. Relationship. Well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I do think that would be maybe be a healthy thing. Well, well, well. You, I think you said it in the beginning of this. I think you said like we, we kind of had that kindred spirit, me and you, right? Yeah. Which re- which let which lets me know that you're pressed into the Father, that you're seeking the heart of Jesus. When we have the heart of Christ, Christ seeks to have us reconcile, not just reconcile to Him, but He wants to reconcile relationship. Yeah. So, so to to whom I, whoever my father was, I would love to have an opportunity to talk with him, get inside his head, because the moment I learn him, I learn more parts of me. Absolutely. And then I'll be able to forgive him and then open the door to a relationship, which really isn't a relationship with me. It's a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And you know, you never know. Maybe you lead him to the Lord, just like you played a role in leading your wife to the Lord. Well, what what else would be the goal? Yeah. I mean, why else would 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 I want to meet him if not? Hey, man, do you know that Christ is your Lord and Savior? I mean, that's that's my that's our whole purpose and why He created us to bring more people to Him so that they may enter in the kingdom. Yeah, Amen, man. So yeah, so uh, the the defining moment of that because I know that's a lot. I know that we could talk on for days about these things, but we got to move on. Uh, the what really brought it home for me to get me to accept the Lord was the day that, so after I realized I didn't want to be in this marriage no more, I ended up getting a divorce. And then, uh, but in the midst of that divorce, I cheated again, which uh, we weren't separated. So I technically cheated on her while we were married several times. But so the last time I cheated on her with another young lady who I ended up, uh, you know, meeting down in South Miami when I was just losing my mind. We ended up getting connected. I started another relationship with another young lady um, and so in the midst of starting that relationship, a lot of things took place. So in the midst of that relationship with the young lady I was with for four years, I ended up getting divorced halfway through, uh, to, uh, to my, uh, ex-wife. Then, then when I moved down to Miami with the young lady, I cheated for the last time. I was in a position where it was, it was 2016, about to be 2017. Cause it was new year's, uh, Eve. And what happened was, um, she found a text message in my phone. I was caught, I was caught red handed. And from there I was like, the jig is up. And for the first time when she caught me, I felt what it felt like to be cheated on, mm. not because she cheated on me, but the Lord allowed me to feel her pain in which I never felt all the years that I've ever cheated on women. So for the first, for the first time that I felt that I was like, wow, it was like, a, it was like a punch in it. It's a real punch in my heart to where I felt that conviction, like, man, I did something wrong here. Yeah, and what you felt was probably only a sliver of what she felt, to be honest with you. Exactly, exactly, which I later on found out. So, you know, with that being said, that started my journey to where I heard the Lord. So I actually heard, uh, which I felt was the audible voice of God through uh, Les Brown. A friend of mine told me, listen to a guy named Les Brown and listening to him on a YouTube somewhere. And he talked about having greatness. He says, you, you know, he's all, all the time he talks about greatness. So what I heard when he said, you have greatness, I heard the father tell me, you have greatness in you because of me. 
And that made me pick up my Bible that I had as a child. So I had this Bible that was given at 12 years old, which was the little original King James Version Bible I had. And I ended up learning about Christ for the first time. And that's when, that's when I fell in love with the person of Jesus, when I learned who he is. And when he told me in the book of Peter, he says about baptism, which is a washing of, of a renewal of your conscience, not of dirt, but of a clear conscience. And I said, man, I need a clear conscience. My conscience is jacked up. So I end up, um, I end up getting baptized April 2017. And that's the first time I gave my life to the Lord. So what point did you find like a church to belong to? When I was down there, when I was down there in that relationship with that young lady, I was attending a church down in Homestead, Life Point Christian Church. And you know, you know how it goes when you're, when you're a sinner and you're in church, pastors talking right to you, Oh yeah, you know, so <laughs> that's how it was for me, man. I was in that church and he was talking about chains being broken and, and being for forgiveness. And I'm over here just boo-hooing, <laughs> you know, this young lady doesn't have a clue what's going on with me. And I'm just, ah, I need a new life. You know, and, and, and so, uh, you know, chains need to be broken, man. And I end up talking to the pastor. We end up getting close, you know, uh, I shared some things with him. And, and he was a great pastor, great leader, and he shared some things with me. And I was like, man, I, I need a clear conscience. I need, I want to pledge my life to Christ. And, and in April 2017, I did it. I took the plunge. Wow, man, that is a big leap. First of all, I'm so happy for you that you, you found Christ and you were able to make that leap. Yeah. Would your wife mind if we talk about her on this episode? Absolutely not. Okay. She wouldn't mind it. She I mean, wouldn't mind. She wouldn't mind at all. I know she's in this book, so I didn't think it would be a problem. But uh, yeah, talk no. us through that season when you guys kind of crossed paths because that was, like we mentioned earlier, that I think that was just divine intervention. Yeah, divine intervention. I like the way this is this is headed because it's, it's getting towards all the, all the good stuff. Well, uh, April 2017, I got baptized, and then I, I prayed a prayer that I didn't know what what was going to be the result of that prayer. So I'll share that prayer because I shared it in my book. And it more or less says, uh, Father God, if you ever let me love again, I will never stray from your plan. Um, and I would live for you. Um, you know, and, and I just sealed it, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. And then uh, a week later, I'm driving doing Uber in South Beach, you know, just trying to make a dollar, you know. And uh, and I end up picking up this, this angelic creature, man. I, I picked her up. I'm like, man, this woman looks amazing. Like, I've never seen a woman how I saw her. And then, um, you know, I ended up telling, I didn't know about driving home the gospel, but I ended up telling her about, uh, just positivity. And, you know, she was going to a job interview and I was like, man, you got this. Don't worry about it. La la. But I felt in my spirit after I dropped her off, I felt in my spirit that the Holy, let, Holy spirit let me know that this is going to be your wife. And I thought I was going to be single for like the next 10 years. Like I don't deserve to be with another woman for a long while. Right. But, you know, God knows my heart better than I know it. So he, he ends up sending me my, uh, my wife who was, you know, she was my passenger at the time. So a week later we end up meeting up again. I kind of stalked her on Instagram just to make sure like, who is this girl? What she's about? What do I feel the way I do for her? You know, I saw like things, certain things checked out, but I also saw like the brokenness in her too. But one of the things stuck out, she had like this quote on her Instagram that let me know that she was a bit of a thinker, someone that was searching for deeper meaning in life. Mm. So when I ended up meeting her, you know, I ended up telling her, and, I, and this is the one of the things I told her. So I saw her when we met up again, and we ended up meeting again, and uh, we were in my vehicle. And I told her, I, in the spirit, I saw a wall stacked up way high. And I said, on that wall, there's a door. And I said, if you let me in, um, through the help of my friend, Jesus Christ, we'll assess the situation, and that wall will come down all by itself. So I let her know, like, you know, if, if, you, if I introduce you to my friend Jesus with his help, 
me and you could have a relationship together, you know? Uh, and she just, she just loved that. She loved everything about that. And that's what started our relationship. And when I read that in your book, that jumped out at me just as much as anything really in your whole testimony. And I'm just going to read this word for word here. You mentioned it, but I'm going to read it word for word. After you guys have gotten to know each other and you kind of want to take things to the next level, you say, I vividly remember telling her that I had a friend named Jesus Christ that I wanted to introduce her to. Yeah. I told her that if she could get to know him, then we could get to know each other better. That's right. Her reply was, yes, I'd love to get to know him. And I read that and I was like, man, that was powerful. And you consider where you came from, what you lived through and your track record with your relationships yeah you know getting into them for the wrong reasons right not knowing what love looked like and then to here you are in a position to get into another relationship you could have approached it the wrong way like you had in the past but you decided to put christ first absolutely and it changed everything changed everything man yeah when i when i when i was just learning how to let Christ lead me, it changed everything for me because that's that's how I was able to see my wife through the lenses of Jesus Christ. And I knew that she was my wife because I devoted myself to being a wife to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. So when I devoted myself to be the wife of, of my groom, which is, you know, Jesus Christ, he was able to allow me to see my wife, how he views her. And that changed everything. Yeah, and I think that that is the model that we should all strive for as as married couples, right? If when we yeah, each seek God first, we're going to meet each other at that point. Where so many people you see um newlyweds, for example, mm-hmm. not just newlyweds, married people in general, mm-hmm. where they worship their spouse rather than worshiping the Lord. Does that make sense? Ooh, yeah, huge mistake. Yeah. yeah, I see that I see that marriages all the time and and it, and it's all it grieves my heart because it's like you're not putting the cornerstone first, right. you know, you, you, you cannot, you literally can't love your spouse, whether it's your wife or your husband, you can't love them appropriately according to the word of God. If you put them before Jesus, yeah, you have to put Jesus first because Jesus is the one to show you every area on how to love them. Amen. Amen. And then that's how, that's how it's probably. Yeah. Done. So anybody out there listening, who's a newlywedder headed that direction, put Christ first and you're going to set yourselves up for success. Trust me. Right. Well, he's the GPS system, you know, to those people out there, he's the GPS. Yeah. That's a good when way to you, say it. When you, when you punch in your repentance, when you punch in and say, Lord, I repent and I, I need you in my life. Then the Holy spirit starts to direct you towards the father. Cause the Jesus says the only way to the father is through him. And the only way to Jesus is through the Holy spirit. And the only way to the Holy Spirit is to come from repentance. So when you repent, that goes to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit leads you to Jesus. Jesus leads you to the Father. And in the midst of all that, he showers you with favor. Praise God, man. The Spirit just flows through you. It's like butter. Butter. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's exactly what it is, brother. So, so I met my wife. I, I told her those, those were my, my, uh, my, my you know, qualifications. Not qualifications, but those are, those are my, my, my stipulations yep, I gave her. Yep. You know, I'm like, hey, listen. These are, these are my guidelines here. I, I need you to accept Christ, not because it's forcibly. So she took a little bit to, to, to be counseled through the word of God. And she didn't even know that. She didn't even believe Jesus was, was, was returning to the earth, period. So when, she, when six months later, she ends up accepting Christ. And then six months from then, we got married. And we actually got married as a result of the Promise Keepers book. Okay, we're going to dive into that. So guys, we're going to link to this book that we just got done talking about. 
um, in the show notes. It's called Jesus Changed Our Lives, Stories from the Heart to Enrich Your Faith. Please go out, check it out. Read John's testimony. Read Alicia's testimony. It's powerful. It's raw. And it's it's inspiring as, as well because um, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope there in those stories. So now you're saved. You're strong in the Lord. You've moved on in life. And now you're with the first hour for men. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to those people out there, you know, at the end, we'll share with them on how to get the book and, 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 and how to get the first hour for men, all that jazz. I actually end up getting the first hour for men through, uh, being led to a film festival called the international Christian film and music festival here in Orlando. And I end up getting to know, to get to, to there because I was on Facebook one day and my, and it came across my page, international Christian film festival. Now at the time we didn't cover this, but at the time I was doing acting, in, in, in a secular setting. I was acting in Hollywood. So I was on a TV show called uh, Bloodline that's on, that was on Netflix and another TV show called uh, The Assassination of Johnny Versace, hmm. American Crime Story Assassination of Johnny Versace. And I was doing comedy. So I was doing comedy in the secular world. I got as far as a guy named Kevin Hart. I've heard of him. Um, and yeah, 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 that guy. Little, little, got gravitational issues, <laughs> you know, getting stretched out. But, you know, I end up, I end up uh, crossing paths with him which is, he's the reason why I got into the comedy in the first place. God gave me a dream about him. That's a whole nother testimony. So, uh, so after Kevin, Kevin Hart broke my heart. So we were, I was doing comedy. I was about to go on my first, my first show ever. And I uh, wanted to, went to offer to Kevin Hart to say, Hey, come to my show, you know, cause I felt like once he came, once he saw me do my thing, he was going to sign me to a contract. I'll be a millionaire and I was going to leave all my homies behind, you know, but of course God had different plans, right? Yeah. <laughs> God had completely different plans. So, so God cleaned up my act for a year, and then I end up learning how to do clean comedy because I had to honor the father. You know, you know, you can't be a comedian dishonoring the father with foul yeah. language and whatever yeah. have you. So He cleaned up my act, Second Timothy two twenty one. So it speaks about uh, being cleansed for the master's good use. So He cleaned up my act. I got into the clean Christian comedy game, and uh, it ended up going really well, really well. So, the, so I ended up getting led to the film festival to kind of pursue my acting chops in comedy now, but I wanted to do it to honor the father. So I ended up going to the Christian film festival. I ended up meeting all these amazing people, these amazing people of God and whatnot. And I ended up meeting a guy named Michael Carnes who uh, on the last day of the film festival, which was a VIP dinner. And I got to meet a lot of, a lot of names that we know in, in Christian film. And I ended up getting a book from a guy named Mar- Michael Carnes and it's called the first hour for men. I mean, I had tears in my eyes. I'm like, dude, you didn't have to, whatever the case is. He's like, no man, I've been watching you do your thing. And God told me to give this to you. So I'm like, praise the Lord. You know, I'm all juiced up on Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I end up I end up getting the book. I end up going home, reading through the first 22 pages, learning about a guy named Mark W. Cook, who I've never met in my life, never heard the name in my life. But coming to find out, this guy is an ex-Hollywood producer. He was a big-time Hollywood producer in the world who produced movies called like Lost in Space and Black Dog. And he helped marketing the, uh, the Passion of the Christ film that we all know. Oh, man. And I ended, up reading, I ended up reading through the first 22 pages, and I got punched right in the heart, man. This book talked about him waking up at 5.55 every morning, giving his first hour to the Lord, and what the Lord wanted from him and whatnot. And I'm like, man, God, you've just been talking to me like crazy for like the last year, right? And so he just moved in my life. So I end up getting the book. I end up doing the 30-day study guide. And I was waking up every morning over the course of 30 days at 5.55 in the morning, and my life radically got changed with my relationship with Christ. And in the midst of that, so much happened. 
Isn't that amazing, though, how God works? Oh, yeah. Just, you know, that he, he connects the dots for us to, to meet this guy and to meet this person. And this person says this thing and leads you to there. And, and in hindsight, it's like, God did all that. It's, there's no way that could have happened without God. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's what it's all about. That's what he wants to do with all of us, right? While, while me and you are on this call right now, which I'm honored to be on the Inspired Legacy show. You know, and I thank you for this because this book here changed my life. I literally went from doing like, you know what the guys do, right? The regular devotionals, one day here, two days here. You know, yeah. the Bible plan has like those three-day devotionals. Yeah. And then, you know, men think that's enough. And I'm not just talking to the men to say, oh, men versus the women. But it, God gave that word to men. And men are the spiritual leaders of the household. Amen? Yep. Amen. We're the ones that's supposed to be doing this. So, so God gives us, in this book, The First Hour for Men, he gives us the equation. He gives us the secret sauce on what it takes to go up to the top of the mountain. And I want to share with you the scripture because I'm pretty sure you have it on your heart. Like, what's that 555 about, right? 555? Yeah. Why that? Yeah. Like, why, why, why 555, right? How come, what's the significance in that time? So if you look at the fifth book of the Bible, which is, which is, the, uh, which is the fifth book of the Bible. So if you go to Deuteronomy 5, chapter 5, verse 5. It reads, it reads this, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountain. You see, that translates to there's so many men who are so scared to be disciplined, to get up intentionally to go spend time with the Father, that they don't even do it. They just roll out of bed and do it whenever they feel like it. You see, God wants to give us the secrets of the kingdom. He wants to give it. He says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to me and I'll show you mysteries unknown to you. He wants to give us these things. But what happens is we're scared of the fire. We just read it. He said, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountains. You see, men are scared to get ignited on fire for God because they think that they're not worthy enough. Or they think that they can't do it. But God says, meet me here. And I'll do the rest. Yeah, we're we're afraid we're afraid of what people might think too. But you're right. Sure, men are forged in the flames. Yes, and uh, you know a daily devotional is better than nothing. But I agree with you, man. We're we're meant for more than just the hors d'oeuvres of a simple daily devotion. Like we need. Mark, we, let's let let let's let's talk straight to these men. You said it. A daily devotional is is, is not even a, a, an appetizer, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A daily devotional. That's like you trying to budget your diet off of, off of one of the squares of a graham cracker. You know what I'm saying? Like you 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 can't expect to be to be uh, physically fit and have energy to and go through life. By eating a, a, a cracker a day. No, we're meant for the main course, man. And that is deep dive into the word daily. That's right. Intentionally. That's right. Consistently with purpose. What did, G, what, did, what, did, what, did, what did Jesus say in the wilderness? Man shall not live off bread alone by every word that proceeded out of the mouth. You got to eat the word of God. It says, in, 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 when he disclaimed to John, John says he swallowed the word. He, sw he ate the scroll, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? You ate it, right? You got to eat the word of God. Then you got to let it digest. You got to marinate on it. You got to let it digest. This is what is good. This is what gives you spiritual food. Do you know how many men out there, Mark, don't even fast? Yeah, a lot of people don't really even understand it. No. They're like, Christians are like, fast? Fast what? Fast food? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, we're not talking about drive-thru here because quarantine, now you're all loving the drive-thru. No. We're talking about, he's talking about 
you gotta Christ said when you fast. He didn't even like make it like it was a light suggestion. This is Jesus. He said, when you fast, wash your face and anoint your head. So people won't think that you're all, oh, look at me, I'm fasting. No, when you fast, you're intensely sacrificing your body to step into the spiritual realm so you can truly learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen, man. Amen. Going back to getting into the Word, I know that, um, you know, practically speaking, there are a lot of guys out there who, they're not necessarily afraid of the Bible. Well, they're not afraid of reading the Bible, but they are intimidated by it. Because when you look at a Bible, it's a massive book. And you open it up and the print is super tiny. I mean, it's just, it feels overwhelming. And I hear questions from guys all the time. Well, where do I start? I'm like, well, don't start at the beginning because the cover to cover is just, you're setting yourself up for failure. Well, then where do I start? Well, what are you, what are you after? And it's, it's going to be different for everybody. But that's why I really like these uh, resources like the first hour for men, because it kind of holds your hand for anybody who you're ready to step into that fire. Like we talked about, you're ready for that main course, but you just need somebody to kind of walk with you. This in particular, this 30 day study guide, cause that's what it is. That's it's going to, uh, it's going to do that for you. It's going to walk you through. It's going to set you up for success by showing you how to give the first hour of your day to the Lord and then walk you through. How do you study the Bible? How do you study the word? How do you apply it to your life? And so I don't know if I mentioned this while we were recording, but uh, John was kind enough to send me a copy of this book. And in preparation for this call, uh, I read his testimony. I read his wife's testimony from the other book that we talked about. But then the other night I opened this, the first hour for men book for the first time, because I've got a stack of other books that I'm trying to get through. And this was not at the top, but I I finally got to this and I cannot wait to dive in, man, because I just, I love I love I like worship, but I really love diving into the word. And so let me so let me share with you. So let me share with this book. You see, often when I hand this book out, when I because I do speaking events, right? I do men's breakfast groups. I do uh, men's events. So pastors who reach out to me and say, "Hey, John, we want you to bring the first hour for men. Share your testimony. Talk about the book." You know, me and Mark will do speaking events, which I didn't touch on, but I end up meeting Mark three days into the, doing the the thirty day study guide. Oh, did you really? So I met. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mark is, uh, me and Mark are real close friends, partners of the First Hour for Men. So I'm the ambassador over Florida for the First Hour for Men. And um, I end up meeting Mark, and man, we hit it off, kindred spirits, man. And that, that, that man of God is on fire for Jesus, man. And uh, his testimony is insane. So the book is not like, so when I hand it up to guys, this makes guys run. They scurry. They scurry when they see this book. Because when they read through it, they're like, what? I ain't got that kind of time. But What's crazy is that this is not the book that you just put on a shelf. This is the this is the book, the tool to assist with you in reading the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit holds your hand. So it's not to take you away from other reading material that you have. It's to set up your day. Yeah. It's a catalyst. It's a springboard to set up your day so that the Holy Spirit will lead you. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. There's a wake-up time. There's certain things that are accountable for you to do in the book. So a lot of people like put on the shelf like, oh, I haven't got a chance to read it yet. Yeah, it's not about that. It's about reading through the first 22 pages. And then if you get convicted, like you haven't been given God enough, then you know, okay, I got to go into the word of God. And it takes you through Matthew to Revelation. And what happens is when you go worship early in the morning, you interrupt your sleep. Now your brain is wired to receive from God. So when you're, when you, now you go into reading God's word, it's like a pop-up book the words jump off the pages to you. Mm. So so men who haven't like, oh, been reading enough and they don't know where to start, when they, when they do this, 
literally Matthew through Revelation will jump off the pages like they've never known. It's like having Jesus right there with you, showing you word for word what he means. Man, now I'm really excited to dive in. <laughs> and that, listen, listen, you're talking to a guy, I, if you didn't know, that, if you caught up the timeline, I've only been saved since 2017. Yeah. I'm three, I'm three years into this, man. I'm in April. And matter of fact, this month, <laughs> I'm coming up on my third birthday. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. I'm super excited. I think I'm gonna have a cupcake. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'm super, I'm super excited because see, people often ask me, man, John, how are you the man of God that you are? What not? Which I take very humbly, very humbly. I accept that. And I say, because I sought the heart of the father, I, I was hungry for him and I'm constantly hungry for him because the goal is to become more like him up until his return. Amen. Amen, man. Amen. And look, I don't know if this is the case for you, but it was for me. The deeper I dive in my walk, the more I learn about his word and what he has uh, to say about my life, the more I realize what I don't know, which in turn fuels the fire for me to want to learn even more. And it's almost like it's an onion, right? You just keep peeling back those layers. The more you cry. Yeah, you're right. The more you cry. Yeah. And the (laughs) more you cry. Yeah, Yeah. you just said it. Yeah. The more you peel back, the more you cry, man. The more you peel back the layers of of the father is the more you you have his heart. You know, sometimes I'll be worshiping Mark and I'll just break down crying, which I'll go into this. I I, I work at a house of hope. So my main job that I do during 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 the week, I work at a job called House of Hope, House of Hope of Orlando, which is a hurting uh, a house that we have here for hurting teenagers. Mm. So I I raise up uh, teenagers, young boys from the age of 13 to 17. So my job is to kind of, uh, you know, I take care of them. I stay overnight. I tuck them into bed kind of deal, help them with their schoolwork. And I, and, and I, but mainly I teach them the gospel. I, I, I train them up as disciples. And in the morning, our routine is we wake up in the morning. They got to get up early in the morning. They got to do the cleaning chores, showers, breakfast, whatever the case is. But every morning we have devotional. And in the morning before we go into devotional, I worship with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, I, when I'm worshiping with them, they see me start weeping. They'll hear me. They'll, they'll watch me weep. They'll watch this grown man, bald head, big beard, muscles, you know, just a little compliment to myself, <laughs> muscles, you know, and, and, and they see me crying and they're like, wow, this guy just, just broke my arm in an army contest, you know what I'm saying? An arm wrestling contest, jokingly. And, um, and yet he's crying in front of me, weeping. And then I go into the word of God and then I share with them a devotional and I set up the day. So I show them that, listen, when you understand the heart of the Father, you'll weep at things you never cried about before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's sometimes I watch like you ever seen like those dog videos that are like rescue dogs and they're like missing a leg. You know, I'll just be sitting there like, ah, this dog is missing <laughs> a leg, ah. because I understand the heart of the Father. Because when you understand the heart of the Father, let's go into this COVID nineteen. You got people going crazy, frantic, freaking out. Right? Oh man, COVID nineteen. This pandemic, what do I do? My heart weeps for them because they don't know where their hope should come from. Oh, man, I know. You're seeing that everywhere. So many people are just living in fear. Fear. But Jesus said in 2 Timothy, right, that you're not born with the spirit of fear. Love, peace, and sound mind, right? We are born with the spirit of power, love, and peace, not the spirit of anxiety. Yeah. But they don't know that. So therefore, this, this thing will scare them. You see, when Christ sent the, the flood in, in, in Noah's day, right, they, that's when they were freaking out. They saw the rain, they saw the flood, and all of a sudden, they're calling out to God. It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. You got Noah was preaching to you for 100 years. 
So if you look at what's happening now, everybody's scared of running frantic with this COVID-19. And don't get me wrong. Should you uh, uh, be be uh, are concerned and whatnot because you got family members dying? It's a natural emotion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Take it very serious. Absolutely. Yeah. Take it very serious. None, there's thousands and thousands that have died because of this pestilence. But how is that any different from the thousands and thousands that died in the flood? Yeah, well, it doesn't even compare. But it should be this time, this season that we're going through, should be a wake-up call. Like you said, if you're not right with God, maybe it's time you reconsider, you know, the path that you're on and get things squared up. But this is why God, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, to your point, like, someday it's going to be too late. That's right. But this is why God allowed the death of Christ, because he was trying to show people, hey, Death is a serious thing, and this guy did it for you. So when someone dies in your life, that's a wake-up call for you to start seeking something higher, something that's calling you, and that something is the creator of all things, which is God in heaven. Yeah. He, he wants you, and he wants to get your attention, so he'll allow these things. But now you got everywhere, they're, they're shaming Christians. Oh, man, everybody with the Christianity and the gospel, that's what you choose to believe. No, no, no. It's not what I choose to believe. It's the belief. It's the faith. You know, I get caught up, not get caught up, but I get in conversation with some religious people, different religions, and I I respect for their journey. But you can't argue the word of God because the word of God can't be argued. The word of God is true. And because we've come to know the truth, we can have the boldness to stand firm on that. So if everyone who's affected by this COVID-19, if they could just repent, and not to say that it's such a scary word. No, turn from your sin. Turn from your sinful nature. Humble yourself enough to know that I'm not in control. Because that's what this that's what this COVID-19 did. This COVID-19 showed the whole world, you're not in control. Yeah, and uh, people are struggling with it. People are struggling. Sure. But, but, financially. Yep, financially, uh, emotionally. Emotionally. Spiritually, they don't know where they're at. They don't know what to believe. And right now, it's a great rise of false prophecy because this is this is this, this is great pickings for other religions to be like, oh, well, if you believe in my God and if you just worship these stones eight times a day, they'll get you know saying like, no, man, people people will fall into that real quick. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. And not to get political, but I mean, we see that with big government too. You know, people put their hope in big government when that's the last place your hope should be. There's nothing wrong with getting political. Jesus told us that we're supposed to pray for the rulers of the nation. We're supposed to pray for our president. You'll see, you'll see that in the first hour for men. There's a whole section of a prayer for the president of our nation devoted to praying for our president followed with scripture. Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.1, it says the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray in every way. Pray for everyone you know, especially the rulers and their government. We have to pray for our government that they will get divine intervention, that they would heal divine word from God so, so that they can cover our nation. And one last point as far as um, you know, the time that we're in and, and maybe treating this as a wake-up call, if you feel like it's too late or that you aren't worthy, that's not the case. I mean, just ask John right here. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done, what's happened to you. All you got to do is repent and seek Christ. Hey, you, you know, Mark, what I, what, can I speak freely to, to, your, to your listeners? Absolutely. Are they, are they predominantly men? Is, it, is your listeners predominantly men? Predominantly, yeah. Okay, so to speak to the men, the, to the guy that's out there feeling like you're not worthy, feeling like, man, I'm not worthy enough to go to the top of the mountain, as it says in Deuteronomy 5, verse 5, 
Jesus came personally to show up in front of a guy named Saul, who ended up turning his name to Paul, who ended up writing three quarters of the entire New Testament. Okay? He showed up. This guy was a mass murderer. He killed hundreds and hundreds of Christians. He was about, he said he was the chief sinner. So if you think that you could top that, then maybe you, 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 you could think that uh, maybe he doesn't want me. But I can assure you he does. Okay? And I don't know who could top being a mass murderer. Paul said he was a chief sinner. So if you're a guy out there thinking that God doesn't want you, he'll use you. He'll use you because he wants you, because he created you. He formed you. You won the first race you ever took was the race against all those other millions of sperm <laughs> racing to the egg. Yeah. You get what I'm saying, Mark? But nonetheless, to so our guys out there, man, God's calling you. He's calling you at this time, at this timeline, that you were born at a time to rise up at such a time as this. That's why you got a guy like Mark who has inspired legacy, sharing you with these resources, Jesus Changed Our Lives, The First Hour for Men, which I would love to tell the Mark where to get it from. Yeah, do that. Well, guys, The First Hour for Men, you can go to www.thefirsthour.com. And right now we're giving a free copy away, just like I blessed my brother Mark with it. The Lord let me bless him with it. You can go there and you'll enter in a code and it'll allow, it'll, we'll ship you your first free copy just for you. And then you go down the, uh, on the, down the line on what you want to do from there because we would love for people to partner with us. Um, or you could text 484848. Text Jesus to 484848. And we'll send you a link and you can click on that link and it'll lead you to how you can get the book. That is awesome, man. We're going to be sure to get that in the show notes for sure. I was not expecting that. That is super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. We, we were making resources available. You know, they can, they can reach out to me personally. Follow me on Instagram. Mark, you, you could share that with them on where to find me on there. You bet. Where to find, where to find me on, on, on Facebook. How to get a hold of Jesus Changed Our Lives. And mind you, this story, it's not just about a couple of people from America. This story got, got this book got stories from all over the UK, Uganda, Australia. Canada, all over, man. So you're going to learn people from all over the globe on how Jesus changed their life. So, uh, man, there's plenty of resources here, brother. Well, we're going to get them in the hands of these men. And John, your testimony is invaluable. And I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being transparent. And um, I, I feel like we need to do this again because I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we just scratched the surface on. Oh. Yeah, well, this is definitely a series we could break up into here, man. I'll be more than honored. You know, yeah. you interviewed a guy named Ken Harrison, and Ken Harrison now is the president of uh, of uh, Promise Keepers. Of Promise yep. Keepers, and man, let me tell you, when I heard that one, and I heard his testimony, and and I thank you for choosing me. I got the winner of the Rise of Servant. King. Oh, that's right. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, amazing book. Amazing book. And to see, this is how God works, right? That's how it really started this introduction between me and That's you. right. And, and you know, I end up being able to communicate with Ken a little bit back and forth. I look forward to meeting him, and I'm hoping that I'm going to meet Ken in person at this year's Promise Keepers event in, in July. Yes, yes. God, God willing, everything still works out. I'm going to be there, man, and I'm going to be ready to uh, ignite the, the men of God. And I look forward to meeting Ken and Dr. Erwin Gray and, and, and all those guys, man, Chad Hennings. Yeah. You know, I look forward to meeting all these men because we have to rise up at this time for all the other men who that need our help. Yep. This is our time. This is our time. This this is our time. Glory to God. Well, John, thanks so much, man. Well, Mark, I thank you. Um, and you know, if can we can we think can we pray for the men out there right now? Let's do it. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus Christ. 
We thank you for your sacrifice. I pray for any man and any woman out there who feel less than themselves, who feel like they're not worthy of you. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we say that they are saved, Lord God, that we call them out of the darkness, Lord God, that you will too show them how to fellowship with you and have a long life, everlasting life in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for healing over the men. We pray for healing over our nation with COVID-19, that you just bless all of your children and pull from the darkness all those who are lost to the world. Bless Mark and his podcast, Lord God, and his family, Lord God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, that was fun. John did not disappoint there. He really brings the fire, man. Uh, We're going to have him back. I think there's... Like I mentioned, there's uh, lots of other areas that we could go in that discussion. We kind of scratched the surface in different aspects of his life. Uh, so much of that applies to so many men. I just, I really believe that. Uh, maybe we all didn't come from uh, the kind of background that he came from, but we all have things in our past that we'd like to be redeemed from, right? And as I was talking to him, I was reminded by the song by Big Daddy Weave. Uh, the name of the song is Redeemed. And so if you're not familiar with that song and its lyrics, I'm just going to read a few of them to you and uh, see what you think. I think it aligns pretty well with John's story. And those lyrics go like this. It seems like all I can see was the struggle haunted by ghosts that lived in my past, bound up in shackles of all of my failures, wondering how long is this going to last? Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, Son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these cha- these heavy chains and I'll wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. So, yeah, I just think that uh, that is a mirror image of John's life, John's testimony. And I think it's it gives the rest of us guys hope. Like I said at the beginning of the show, no matter where we've been, no matter what's happened to you in life, Christ has a better future waiting for you. We just have to knock on that door and open it. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. I want to thank you again for listening. Check out the Facebook group. If you are searching for other guys, other like-minded men who you want to bounce some of the stuff off of, find hope and encouragement from those guys, check out the group. It's linked in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Again, subscribe, leave a review. And share our message because when we work together to lift up fatherhood, we're going to change the world one dad at a time. Until next time, live inspired. Live inspired.